Hey. Uh-oh, a little too much, a little too much. I like my voice. I don't like it that much, though. Bring this mic down a little bit. Oh, this music down, I mean. What's going on, peoples? This your boy. This is your buddy, your homie, the good son. The good son. I like to say that all the time because when you know we got two other brothers, you got to distinguish yourself. The good son. Although my, you know, my little brother probably probably disagree with that. I don't know. Um, it's Mark B. You have reached the breaks on JQLM Radio. Let me hit all these waves. What's going on, people? How you doing? How you doing? So, I don't even want to waste time with y'all today. I'm not going to talk about no sports or nothing like that. I'm not going to get into uh, any kind of BS or anything like that. I, I ain't getting into none of that stuff. I want to I wanna hit y'all right where you're feeling right now. A lot of y'all are in your feelings. I am, too. Um, if you aren't from the East Coast, if you're from the Midwest or the West Coast or something like that, and you just got a chance to hear about all the details of the Central Park Five, right? Um, you can't help but be pissed off. You can't help but be mad if you're black. Listen, there's people who still are <coughs> trying to justify that whole thing, like your president. Your president's trying to justify the why it was necessary to send these young black boys 14 and 15 years old to jail. He's trying to justify that right now. And um, you all um, saw what I saw. It Wasn't it, you know, you remember like back in the 80s when when people were like, um, it can't be as bad as black folks are, are saying that it is. You know what I mean? It can't be that bad. Let me move this camera around here because I got to get close to this mic. All right. When when we were trying to complain and let them know, we put it in songs, we put it in, in music, we put it in uh, um, poems. Um, we put it in some of everything. Just letting people know, look, this is what police officers are doing to us. You know what I'm saying? We 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 put it in every form of uh media there is. We we made plays about it, we made movies about it. You know what I'm saying? What up, Billy, Christine, Tyron? We uh we talked about it to no end. We we got on panel discussions and, and talked about it. Um uh, we hold on. Um we got on we got on panel discussions talking about it. We've 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 done some of everything trying to let people know what what it is that you know what it is that the police are doing to us, what we go through on a daily basis. Um, we we talk we talk endlessly about it, right? We've we've. I remember, like I tell people all the time, my grandma, old Geraldine Johnson, Geraldine McCracklin was her uh, was her maiden name. My grandma told me when I was a kid, if the police ever come looking for you, you go outside butt naked, booty butt naked, and you surrender. I said, Grandma, ain't no way in the world. Ain't no way in the world I'm going outside bucket naked. Ain't no way in the world I'm going outside bucket naked, right? My grandma was like, no, you're going to do that. And you're going to do that because if you don't, the police will have a throwaway gun in their ankle sock or whatever, in their ankle. They'll throw it by your body and they'll shoot you and kill you, right? I was probably about eight, seven, eight years old at the time. During that same time, I'm trying to think, um, during that same time, uh, well, nope, and and um, I was probably about I was probably about nine or ten. Around that same time is when the Central Park Five um, were being like just abused by the 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 law enforcement and by the judicial system in New York. Y'all saw what I saw, man. Um, Linda Fairstein, would she had the she had the attitude that, listen, I'm tired of people being attacked. Um, there were black kids in that park. 
and we're just going to grab up as, as many black kids as we can, and we're going to uh, we're going to make this case stick against them. That's what we're going to do. We're going. I don't care. Dang it! Let me turn this turn this jive down. Um, I don't care if the if it, it's a weak case or if it's a strong case. Um, we're going to make this case stick. We're going to throw these kids in jail, and we're going to be heroes because uh, we're going to put some white people's minds at ease with uh, with the notion that uh, we don't know what we're doing. Because there were so many uh, killings and, and rapings going on um, in New York that they didn't have a clue how to how to – how to fix, how to stop, right? Good police work probably would have stopped it. Non-corrupted police work probably would have stopped it. But, you know, why cry with spill milk now, right? Chicago could probably learn a thing or two about corruption also. And that's where I come into the equation. I was born in Chicago, raised in the G, most of y'all know. Um, so there's things that we heard about as far as corruption when it comes to the police um, department. And Gary... And there's things that we heard about in Chicago because many of us had family members that got jam jammed up by police in Chicago or, you know, uh, many of us heard stories, legends about different things that um, that happened in Chicago, state and local government. It's different when you grow up as a black person in, in the United States and when you grow up as a white person in the United States, right? Conspiracy theories from white people can seem seem outlandish. That's crazy. You know, tin foils on your head, um, alien uh, probes up your booty and stuff like that. That's stuff that, that's, the, that's white conspiracy theories, right? Um, black conspiracy theories are different because ours is real. Like, there's an actual boogie monster for us to actually be afraid of. There's something underneath the bed, you know what I'm saying, to m metaphorically. Um, and probably, you know, actually, because um, I, I started doing some digging, right? Um, I started doing some digging because I think that a lot of us, it's not that we didn't know, um, we didn't know about, um, about the government and the 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 Central Park Five. It's not that we didn't know about it. We knew about it. We didn't know the details of it. And then some people might have heard the details and didn't really want to believe it. Sometimes it takes seeing it on screen. Sometimes it takes seeing it on on TV in order for some people to register that man, dang, this thing is probably really really true. It's the reason why the civil rights mo movement um, was bolstered. Um, and and became legitimate is because white apathy wasn't allowed when it was on your TV screen. Everybody watched the news back then. It, it wasn't like they they had the flash on you know on TV and and stuff like that. They wasn't they wasn't watching. They didn't have a whole bunch of different stuff to distract them. In other words, N the news was what everybody watched, and the n the news did a good job of sheltering and coddling white people um, into believing that America is the greatest country ever. And nobody should have a better, uh, a worse thing to say about America or a bad thing to say about America because compared to other countries, um, we're great. We're uh, American exceptionalism. That's that BS that uh, Meghan McCain always tries to, uh, tries to sprinkle all over the view if y'all view watches and stuff. Um, there's there's people in this country who believe that me America is great no matter what America does. And then there's black people. We don't feel the same way. <laughs> we, we don't we don't feel we don't have that same uh, um, th we don't have those same blinders on that no matter what happens in America. Uh, America is great because we've seen the worst of America. Today I wanted to talk a, a little bit about it. We were upset about the Central Park Five. We're canceling um, uh, Linda uh, Feinstein. Definitely should. Um, she deserves to be canceled. All of the, everything that she, not just her, not just her, but everybody who's benefited. Because there was there was one police officer who helped to frame these boys, and he went on to uh, to help do movies. Right. Um, you got Linda Feinstein who went on to write 
crime novels because apparently, you know, uh, fiction should should uh, should mimic her life. So I I doubt if any of in her crime novels that any of them depict a you know a DA that is uh, is is framing black boys because you know to stroke white fears. I doubt if any of any of her books is talking about that, but. Um, I want I wanted to go a little bit deeper because I think that as we time ha- has this way of making us forget about all the stuff that the government has done to black people. We hear about stuff and and like my son, I talked to him ab- about talking to to him about uh, politics and stuff. It's kind of like talking to somebody who was born yesterday. And I mean no disrespect to to my son because I love that dude. He's way smarter than I was at his age, but. When you don't have a, a, a understanding of history, if you don't have a knowledge of um, of past events, things that happened before you, you may a- you may have all these answers that have no context. You may have all these different things that that are wrong. You see all these problems, but you don't know the why, and you don't know to ask the questions why. So. And me doing a little bit of digging, and uh, this isn't new information, so it's not like I did some digging and I uncovered some stuff that nobody's ever heard of before. I just want to remind some folks about when uh, about that that country that Colin Kaepernick is being accused of hating so much, um, about that national anthem, what the, what country that national anthem is talking about, what they've done, why why black people are not considered part of the country, and why we're not considered patriotic. What I think is that when we when it comes to law and order, right? Sounds real good. But there's a section of society that are cool, that's cool with law and order without justice and without morality. When you go into a courtroom, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's which lawyer can can present the best argument. As we saw with the Central Park Five, if you can have DNA evidence of a rape and the DNA evidence show that I'm not the one who raped her and I still go to jail for 14 years, then we're not talking about justice. We're not talking about right and wrong. We're talking about law and order. And a lot of the laws and a lot of the the government's job since the the ending of slavery when it comes to black people is about law and order. It doesn't matter if the laws are unjust. It doesn't matter if the laws are unconstitutional. They're about order and law. They use police to enforce order. They give them the laws, but they use the police to enforce order. The police That's why a lot of police officers don't know what the law is concerning certain things. They feel like you don't have the right to uh, to videotape me because I don't want to be videotaped. I might be doing some scummy stuff over here, and I don't want this stuff to be on the Internet. Well, guess what? It's not against the law for me to videotape you. But police officers are not students of the law. They're enforcers of the law. They're, they're not lawyers. They enforce order. That's it. Whatever they're told to do is what they do. They're, they're trained attack dogs, which is what they were used for in the 60s. Um, and I'm going to give you some of that information now. So so I was looking at um, that there was this uh, this government um, this government push called COINTELPRO, right? Um, I always wanted to put like pro quo, like I guess I'm thinking quid pro quo, but um, there was a it was an uh it was something that was put into place by J. Edgar Hoover who was over the FBI at the time. Um and it was all about keeping order. It didn't have anything to do with law. Let me let me wave back to some folks, my baby's watching. And my homie Will. It's good, man. Um it's all about order, right? So some of the things um the purpose of uh COINTELPRO was to prevent the coalition and and military the coalition, let me say this right, prevent the coalition, the, the coalition, uh, coalition and militant black nationalist group to prevent them from um, coming together, 
prevent the rise of a messiah who could unify and electrify the militant black nationalist movement, uh, to prevent black nationalist groups and leaders from gaining respectability by discrediting them to the community. I want you to keep that in your back pocket, all right? Keep that in your back pocket that um, the third thing that I said was to prevent black nationalist groups and leaders from gaining respectability by discrediting them to the community, to their own community, right? And then four, uh, final goal should be to prevent the long-range growth of militant black nationalist organizations, especially among youth. That's not um, somebody else's opinion. That's actually from uh, the FBI uh, COINTELPRO document. That's the purpose. That was the purpose of COINTELPRO. So what you had was during the 60s, uh, we were in the Jim Crow era, and you had black people who had finally decided that um, that we couldn't wait for the uh, for the country to get um, a conscience. We couldn't wait for it. Um, what's good, TJ man? Um, we couldn't wait for it. We had to push the the agenda. We had been told, look, the country's just not ready. We we were integration was not. Um, was not like the go-to. We just wanted to be treated fairly. And we thought that if we sat next to white people, if we ate, if we were able to eat next to white people, if we were able to work next to white people, then they would have to treat us like humans. That's what we thought. The problem is we didn't integrate, we assimilated. The difference between the two is if we integrate if we integrate something, you take two parts and you fit them neatly together. You take parts of this, parts of that, and it becomes a whole new thing because it's integrated into one another. When you assimilate, you take on the look, the feel, the, the attitude of, of the other thing, right? So what we did was we assimilated. We said, okay, We'll make you feel more comfortable with us by cutting our hair a certain way. Um, we'll have our women perm their hair and make their hair look as much like you all as, as possible. Um, we'll make sure that we wear certain, uh, certain outfits that, uh, that make, make us seem non-threatening. As, as black men, we know that you're afraid of us anyway, so we'll make sure that we speak a certain way. We say our yes sirs and yes ma'ams. You know, we'll do all of that. We'll be totally super polite. And then you'll have to accept us, right? Wrong. Wrong. So, oh, Lord. I don't know why this thing just bumped up on me. Get my sound right before I blast people's ears out. All right? All right, all right. That's That's better. That's better. So, incorrect. We thought that maybe... Maybe that would uh, that would help us to be looked at um, like everybody else is looked at, but not so. Um, the FBI head was J. Edgar Hoover, um, and this was COINTELPRO was instituted by J. Edgar Hoover. Everybody who knows about him knows that he was like very, very um, paranoid. He was paranoid of everything. He ha he kept tapes of everybody. I'm talking about not just black people, you know. Um, he took he kept tapes of presidents and and um heads of state and heads of different organizations and stuff like that he he kept that because he felt as if um if he if he had this information he'd be able to um he'd be able to force people's hands in certain ways basically right so like I said, I grew up in, in Chicago. We heard about certain things. I grew up, I was born in 77, um, and born in Chicago, raised in Gary. My family's from the south side of Chicago. So we heard certain things, right? It, um, I'm thinking about... Um, stuff that I heard, like my mom was, um, p my mom and my aunts were part of the uh, NAACP youth, um, youth groups. And so they were, they were 
taught about um, things that were going on, um, what the government was trying to do. Um, and that brings me to Black Panther Party. When, if you were to ask, I, and, and I have asked um, some white youths about the Black Panther Party, um, a lot of them have been were told that the Black Panther Party was a group of black people who were militant and who wanted to kill uh, white police officers. That's kind of the attitude. That was so that that's the that's what they wanted them to believe. So they they pushed this narrative that the Panthers were dangerous and they were responsible for killing uh, police officers when they never killed any police officers. In fact, the exact opposite ha happened. <clears throat> One of the Black Panther leaders from Chicago, uh, Fred Hampton, was murdered in his apartment um, next to his pregnant wife, um, gunned down by Chicago Police Department. Um, let's see, at 20, Hampton was killed by the Chicago Police Department um, execution style in a raid of his apartment that was initially said to be started by, the, by he and fellow Panther members as reported by then state's attorney Ed uh, Hanrahan. Hanrahan and Richard Daly both, they were fighting for credit of who killed Fred Hampton. Like, they weren't ashamed of it. They weren't like, this is an unfortunate incident. That's the, that's the stuff that they say now. Like, it's unfortunate when somebody loses their life. Hmm. But the truth of the matter is, they were fighting for credit. They, weren't, they was like, no, I killed him. No, I killed him. Like, they were stepping over each other trying to get credit for um, for the murder of Fred Hampton. Now, um, it was proven later by reporters that all of the gunfire was coming from the outside of the room into the room. That was it was proven um, that that he hadn't fired a shot. So when they were saying that they had to shoot at him because he was shooting at them, there was not one bullet hole coming from inside of the building going out of the building, uh, or from inside of his room going out of his room. Um, the police uh, the police chief um, had said that uh, he, he took pictures of the, the door frame and the inside wall trying to say, and there were three black marks, right? Trying to say that those three black marks were bullet holes. Come to find out those were nail heads. So this was, and then you dig a little deeper and you kind of find out that a government informant named William O'Neill, William O'Neill um, gave floor plans to the, uh, to the state's attorney who he gave to the Raiders so that they could have the floor plan on how to get into his building to kill him. So this was organized and this was planned. This was the state government um, being assisted by the federal government, actually it was local government, being assisted by the federal government in order to assassinate Fred Hampton, right? But when you say conspiracy, that this was a conspiracy, when you say that C word, people are like, ah, see, now you, now you, now you tripping. But the problem is uh, the FBI, uh, let's see, the FBI in Chicago sent a, um, a letter to the leader of, this, this is something else. Now, keep in mind what I was telling you before, right, um, about what I was telling you before about um, one of the, one of the um, things with the, one of the points or the purpose of COINTELPRO is to prevent black nationalist groups and leaders from gaining respectability by discrediting them to their community. So in order to discredit somebody from their community, you want to, you're going to tell stories about it. It's more difficult now in the information age, everybody's got a camera phone and stuff like that. But say if you had, um, if before camera phones, everybody who's you know my age and older, before we had camera phones and stuff like that in the 90s, before that hit, if somebody said that, oh man, you know that dude Fred, used to touch little girls, right? They were like, touch little girls? Yeah, that's why he was gone. Now, Fred might have had went to the Army, you know what I'm saying? But because it wasn't the information age and we couldn't look up inmate records and stuff, like we couldn't do that, then a lie would travel around the world twice before the truth hit. You know what I'm saying? So they were able to uh, to 
spread misinformation with and try to take down the Panthers that way. Um, the FBI sent um, in Chicago sent a letter to to the leader and co-founder of the El Rukins. Everybody in GI in Chicago know who the El Rukins are. Um, they were established in 1950, though. Um, Jeff Fort, um, that's the that's the dude who was who was the founder, who was the leader of the El Rukins. Um, they sent a letter to him claiming that the Panthers were trying to assassinate him, saying that the Panthers were trying to kill him, um, and it was like, hey, don't you want to do something about that? Because you know they trying to they trying to you know they trying to get at you, right? Well, uh, also they they were doing that with other with other gangs, right? Now keep in mind the Panthers were not a gang, but they were treating them like a gang. The the Panthers were an activist group and a political party, right? They weren't trying to um, knock over convenience stores and get uh, protection money. You know what I'm saying? That's not what they were about. They were actually feeding the youth. Um, the, the kids eating breakfast before they go to school, say thank you to the Panthers. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the, the whole program of, of educating um, adults and stuff like that in, in the, so that they can have job training and things like that, Panthers, you know what I'm saying? They did offer uh, weapons training and things like that. They were very inclusive to women. In fact, women were leaders in the Panther Party. They were some of the some of the the most well known leaders in the Panther Party. But the the what the government what black people saw was a group of young black people who had a plan who were thought who who were intelligent and had a plan on how to move us from the Jim Crow era into an era where we don't have to be afraid to be black. And, and being afraid to be black can be summed up in one thing where there's something called the Green Book, right? Where black people would buy this book and this book would tell us where we could shop and not be, not be killed, not be hurt. That's what, that's what this book did. It's called the Green Book. It would give us. It would tell us where we could go and shop and, and where we could be safe. Um, if you if if something like that has to exist in your country, your country sucks, right? We're gonna go on break real quick. Um, pay pay some bills. Um, try and get get some uh, get some more information to you. Just have a normal conversation, right? Um, call in number three one seven six five four nine seven nine zero. Again, three one seven. Six five four nine seven nine zero. All right. Um, it's the breaks. It's your boy Mark B. Be right back. And you can't explain why you can't you can. And my bell sends you a whopping bill. With eighteen phone calls to Brazil. And you borrowed money from the mob. Calling all models, aspiring models, businesses, and families in need of photography services. Golden Image Photography is the place to go for professional, stellar, and affordable photography. Contact Jay Golden at 317-809-4502 for more information. And don't forget to follow them on Facebook at Golden Image Photography. Are you tired of going into your closet and not being able to find anything to wear? In need of a wardrobe stylist, designer, or fashion consultant? Then contact stylist Leo Rochelle of The Style Den to get you right from head to toe, from your closet to the runway, and even for your everyday look. For more information, call 219-487-7324. The Style Den by stylist Leo Rochelle. Tour with my mask 
We all know a girl can never have too many shoes. So for all of the latest and hottest styles, check out Shoes Galore, owned by Monica Brown. Connect with them via Facebook at Shoes Galore. That's S-H-O-E-Z, Galore. The fashion your feet deserve. Are you tired of the same old crowded, expensive places to celebrate your child's birthday? If so, call Level Up Event Services. We offer quality, fully decorated baby shower and birthday party packages that include bounce houses, characters, concessions, and much more. Bring us your ideas and let us do the work for you. Call 317-732-5535 to schedule an appointment to create one of the best events you've ever had. Book us now. Are you or someone you know struggling with relationships, overcoming abuse, addiction, or suicidal thoughts, or even life challenges in general? Then the Life Support Book Series and Life Support Company is for you. You can purchase the Life Support Book Series on Amazon, Kindle, or www.ladyj.co. To find out more about how the Life Support Company can help you or your youth groups, contact Jacqui Morrow at 317 886 0296 or visit the website at www.ladyj.co and remember i'm possible you're possible we're all possible Have you ever heard the term mind-blowing sex? Experience the spicy, jaw-dropping world of sexual encounters in this compelling story of how the author set out on a sexpedition. Sexual healing is available on Amazon and www.ladyj.co. Get it now. Sexual Healing by Jacque Merle. Okay, ladies. Are you tired of spending two and three hours beating your face and still not coming up with the look that you want? Or trying to figure out which products work best for your skin? Well, connect with Shar the Star, a licensed esthetician in MUA that educates and inspires you concerning skincare and enhances your beauty with a big face unlike any other. Want to learn more? Contact her at 317-828-6707, where everyone's a star. Hey, hey. Now come on, let's do the pretty girl rock. We all know a girl can never have too many shoes. So for all of the latest and hottest styles, check out Shoes Galore, owned by Monica Brown. Connect with them via Facebook at Shoes Galore. That's S-H-O-E-Z, Galore. The fashion your feet deserve.
nooses trying to solve them. That's all I could do for it. Yeah, they got me down. Attention all artists. JQLM Radio would love to support and put your music into rotation. If you would like your music added to our rotation, all you have to do is send us your music in MP3 format to info.egoentnet at gmail.com. That's info.egoentnet at gmail.com. And then simply share JQLM Radio with your followers, listeners, and fans so that they may tune in and support you too. Remember, we support you as you support us. JQLM Radio, real voices, raw entertainment, and relevant topics. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Lady J owner of Ego Entertainment Network and host of the Impossible Radio Show. Have you ever thought about having your own radio or podcast show? Maybe be featured in a magazine or air commercials on television or maybe even have your own TV show. Well, look no further. Ego Entertainment Network is here for all of your media production needs. Contact us today at 317-886-0296 or visit our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. You would be surprised at how affordable it is. Oh, don't forget, tune in to JQLM Radio every day. Download the JQLM Radio app for all of you Android users or Apple users and Android users. You can use the TuneIn app or Listen straight from our website or the JQLM Radio Facebook page. Ego Entertainment Network, empowered greatness optimized. Platow, platow, I'm back up in here. I ain't even, I ain't even playing no music to come in, man. I want to get get back into this thing, right? So when I left, I was talking about. The um, I was talking about COINTELPRO, right, and what its purpose was and what it was designed to do, right? Um, yeah, Trinette, like, hey, get your boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, why you why you bring your man's here? You know what I mean? Like, he don't like black folks like that. I mean, he people talk about every person that I hear talk about Joe Biden. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. Um, and would I vote for him? Over Donald Trump, yeah, yeah, I would vote for him over Donald Trump um, because there's blatant racism and then there's indirect racism. You know, there's there's white supremacy, and and, and somebody who was born in white supremacy and doesn't see um, their how they been how they benefit from it or how they add to it, that's somebody I can at least try and reason with, as opposed to somebody who's just blatantly racist, doesn't care about bringing. Um, White supremacists into his uh, into his administration, where they where you see them taking pictures and doing doing that sign, doing that, yeah, yeah, that's that's the W, that's the W, and that's a P, white power, that's what that is. You know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of pictures of people in his administration throwing up throwing up that sign. But um, let me get back into this, right? So. So that takes us, we, we were talking about Fred Hampton, right? And you can see the pictures of Fred Hampton. His body was Swiss cheesed up by Chicago Police Department. Now, we talking about all the way back in, in the 60s, right? He, he was Swiss cheesed up all the way back in the 60s. And the Chicago Police Department, uh, working with the federal government, the FBI, was able to go ahead and take out that black leader. Um, they were able to take out Martin Luther King. Take out Martin Luther King? Hold on. What are you trying to say? Yeah. Um, see, there was this there was this court case where uh, um, the the King family sued the government so that information could come out. They only sued the government for a hundred dollars. So it's not like they was you know they was hurting like they had to put something on the light bill or something like that. It was for it was so that they could uh, release information that they wanted the public to know about because the government is good at redacting and saying, I, I, I ain't do this, I ain't do that. Luke, what's good, homie? Um, the, I'm, I'm not responsible for this, that, and the other. But 
So um, with Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, he, he was a minister, leader, reformist, figurehead of the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was killed at 39, uh, 39 years old, April 4th, 1968, in Memphis, Tennessee, by the government and blamed on James Earl Ray. What? Now, hold on. Every time you ask who killed Martin Luther King, everybody says James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray. So James Earl Ray was a fugitive on the run at the time, right? He was all, he was a career criminal. He was a fugitive, and he was on the run at the time that he supposedly stopped to get a rifle um, to, and and find Dr. King in a Memphis uh, in a Memphis hotel and kill him. Now I don't know about y'all, but if I'm on the run and I'm trying not to get caught by the federalities, there's a couple things I'm not gonna do. One of them is gonna be stopped to buy a rifle. Second one is gonna be look for some leader of some opposing um, thought process so that I can take him out. I'm already on the run. And not on the run for murder or nothing like that. No, he wasn't on the run for no murder or nothing. He was on the run for other little crimes that he did. It wasn't murder. Somehow, he was able to take a break from being on the run so that he could go and kill him a political leader. Really? All right. Um, so the FBI, um, the FBI bugged Dr. King's home, his hotel rooms. Um, there's FBI documents alleging that uh, he that Dr. King had multiple multiple affairs on Coretta Scott King, right? Not only that, they alleged that there was a rape that his buddies were taking part in, and that he was witness to. The same Dr. King that we all know and love. Now, now remember what I told you earlier in the broadcast. I want you to keep in mind what's the purpose of Cointel Pro. One of the purposes of Cointel Pro is to defame somebody to their community so their community doesn't support them. Because if the community doesn't support them, then that means there won't be somebody else that tries to be like them. If you, if you can't hold somebody up and say this person is a great person and if they strike him down, then somebody else will come up and they'll have something to aspire to. If, if you're telling people not to aspire to that, then you're, you're going to stop him from being a leader and you're going to stop other people from leading in an effective way in the way that he was doing, right? So this, this career criminal somehow uh, bought a gun, figured out where Dr. Martin Luther King was going uh, to be lodged, figured out when he was going to be there, set up in an adjacent building, shot and killed him, and then took did all that planning, all that wet work and all that, that investigative work, and then he just took the gun and just tossed it over there on the side by, by the dumpster. And he just took it, you know, and did all the work and throw that in the dumpster. Really? I mean, really? Really? James Earl Ray did not kill Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, the King family filed a suit in 99, uh, to force the government to release information that would show an organized conspiracy to kill uh, um, to kill who J. Edgar Hoover claimed was the most dangerous man in America. Uh, a Memphis jury um, ruled that the local, state, and federal government were liable for King's death. The full transcript of the trial um, remains posted on the King Center website. You can go and actually check that out. They conspired. So here's the thing. If if I want you dead, but I don't want to go to jail for it, what I might do is I might infer to someone else that you're trying to kill them or maybe uh, you did something to their daughter or maybe you, you know, um, you got somebody held up somewhere or something like that. And I know that they already don't like you that much. Um, what What's being said is that James Earl Ray wasn't the trigger man that there was actual mafia ties um, of people who, who were in organized crime who actually did the shooting. That, now, that is a rumor because it hasn't been proven. It's a legend. But one thing for damn sure is that James Earl Ray did not kill Dr. Martin Luther King. It, it doesn't make any sense. 
human nature doesn't doesn't make somebody be so if you in the middle of running from the police you're so angry at Dr. Martin Luther King that you're going to risk your freedom so that you can kill him it doesn't make sense it just doesn't make sense right so and the King family won that that lawsuit they won it they didn't just file it they won that lawsuit they won the hundred dollars right although it probably cost them a, 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 a couple a couple thousand in order to file it it wasn't about the money they wanted the information to go to come out and the information is out there on the on the King family uh, King Center website um, the police and think about we're talking about law and order right when it came to dr. Martin Luther King nothing that he was doing was Nothing that he was doing was morally incorrect. Everybody knows that. That's why we have uh, Dr. Martin Luther King holiday. That's the reason why, you know, we used to sing the Dr. Martin Luther King song. Y'all remember Dr. Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King song? Dr. King, Dr. King, Dr. King was a civil rights leader. All that. Yeah. That, they know that he wasn't doing anything wrong except for upsetting the order of what society was about. Law and order work absent from morality and justice. And when you're talking about law and order and you're talking about police and you're wondering why a Philando Castile can be killed even though he he uh, uh, he followed a lawful act. If you're wondering why I forgot the, the young man's name, um, I posted a video about him where the police officer, he had a weapon. The police officer asked him to take the weapon out and put it on the ground. He did so, and the police officer still shot him. You wonder why the, the man was killed in Walmart, um, purchasing a gun in Walmart, carrying the gun that he picked up in Walmart to purchase from Walmart and was still killed by police. You, you wonder why Tamir Rice couldn't play cops and robbers in the, in the park and why police officers are like, hey, you know, I did my job. Technically, they did. Their job is to maintain order. We, ex we would desire for people who are given license to kill people if they feel threatened to exercise some moral judgment. But if they're taught to um, ignore morality and to focus on order, how can we expect them to? Right. So um, the police used the military, used uh, the military arm of the establishment, white supremacy establishment. Um, social order was considered more important than morality and civility. Yeah. Social order. Like, OK, as and sometimes we as parents do the same thing. Right. And here's here's how I'm going to here's how I'm going to frame it. Say you got a house full of kids. Anybody that got more than one kid. And you you are in your room, or maybe you're doing dishes, or maybe you you know whatever you're someplace else in the house. All of a sudden, you hear a bowl smash, you hear something break. You come into the house, or you come into the room. Who the hell broke this bowl? Right? Not me. Not me. Nobody want to cop to it. What do you do? Everybody in trouble. Everybody gets it. Everybody gonna get a butt whooping, or everybody gonna get on punishment. Is that justice? No. No. What you're trying to maintain is order. Right? Now, that in no way is a justification for what police do to black boys on an everyday basis. In no way is that a justification. In no way is that a justification for J. Edgar Hoover and the COINTELPRO um, program that he had, counterintelligence program that he had going on. No way is that, is that a justification for it. Um, I'm just explaining the mindset, right? Um, so a couple things that, that I wrote down. Uh, Nixon had in a recording that in uh, in desiring change, there is never a cause for violence, right? But what was America built off of? When, when America was breaking away from Great Britain, Great Britain wanted order. Great Britain said, hey, look, you aren't really one of us. You're just like a little colony, a little, you the side piece out there, you know? Uh, you're not the main chick. And the U.S. was like, no, nah, we want main chick status. So they broke off from, from they broke the order that 
the United Kingdom that, that Great Britain had in order to have their independence. We, our country was built on, on, on morality and justice. That's what we were created under. But those same people who were about justice and morality then became corrupt and immoral and unjust by bringing slaves over and, and denying other men and women uh, a right to freedom, the free, that same freedom that they fought for. Um, between 1963 and 1969, John F. Kennedy, Kennedy Malcolm X, Robert, Robert Kennedy, and Martin Luther King all assassinated. 63 to 69 was rough. All of them killed. All of them killed between that time. Um, let's see. All either fought for um, legislation for civil rights um, of our civil rights for black people or fought for um, civil rights in some way. All killed. All considered dangerous to the order of the United States. Um, in the meantime, though, we look at stuff like Dylan Roof, right? Dude that got the cheeseburger after he killed the, the black people in the church. We look at Dylan Roof and we look at the fact that white people who terrorize black people are not considered terrorists in the United States. They aren't considered terrorists in the United States. Um, Dylan Roof wasn't considered a terrorist, wasn't uh, given the status as, as a ter terrorist. You know why? Because they don't have a statute for domestic terrorism. All those lynchings and hangings that the Klan did, all, the, all that killing that neo-Nazis do and stuff like that, they have no statute for, for domestic terrorism. Hate crime, yeah, but not domestic terrorism. Terrorism holds a different kind of uh, sentencing to it. And, they ref and the government refuses to call them domestic terrorists. Why? Because they don't really believe, I personally think, they really don't believe that black people are citizens. Because if you're killing the citizens of the United States, you are considered a terrorist. Because uh, Enrique Marquez Jr. is considered a terrorist. Muhammad Yusuf Elshinawe, El 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 uh, Jal Jalil Abin Amir Aziz, Adam Shafi. Uh, listen, all these different Muslim names, they were American citizens, but they were considered terrorists. Why were they considered terrorists? Because they killed Americans. But if killing Americans for a, for a political reason, which Dylan Roof said that he wanted to start a race war, how is that not terrorism? How, how are you not considered a terrorist if you're killing Americans? to start a war with Americans, right? Clap your hands, everybody, if you've got... It's Breaks on JQLM Radio. Check me out next Wednesday.